We are wrapping up our Praisey series today. Um, thankful that we just got to worship together. I love getting to sing and play music with you all. Um, this is, anybody enjoyed this series, Praisey, over the last four or five weeks? It's been so good for my heart. I hope it's been good for yours. Uh, for a recap, it's your, if it's your first time, we found out the first Sunday um, that, that true worship comes out in all of our life. It's not just a, a, one act or one moment. Um, it, it, is a, it is a complete sacrifice of ourself and elevating God above all other things. And uh, it comes out in so many different ways in our life. We spent one Sunday talking about holy living and how if we truly have su surrendered and submitted our lives to God, it comes out in the way that we live, our character and the things that we do. And we find, found out one Sunday that it comes out in the way that we serve others, that the best way to serve Jesus um, is to serve others. Sometimes that's uh, other believers, sometimes it's neighbors, sometimes it's unbelievers. It is just being the hands and feet and serving God. Last week we talked about crazy faith, about really believing, not just knowing God is who he is and he does, but believing with all of our heart. And that true worship... Uh, includes leaps of faith in our life. Like God invites us into the unknown and uncomfortable places. And doing that, stepping out on those moments of faith, is part of how we worship Him. Now this morning we're going to talk about the thing that everybody probably thought we were going to talk about the first Sunday, and that is music in and of itself. It is what we would traditionally think of as worship. And that is, uh, I would venture to say, most of you would say, well, that's singing. We, if I'm going to worship, I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to go to church, and we're going to worship together. And there's all kinds of styles and places that this comes out, and denominations, and over history, and all that. But uh, we're going to talk about it this morning. What does it look like? What does praisey worship look like? The gathering of believers on Sundays, if you will, um, and worshiping God. And this is a fun one for me because music has been a part of my life since, uh, you know, a long time. And I love it. I love music. I didn't so much in grade school when I first got taken to piano lessons. Uh, and they said, here's Middle C, and this is Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I was like, this is boring. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and so I didn't get real involved. And I quit after a few months, um, enjoyed a little bit, learned, learned just barely enough to do a little. Then I got in eighth grade, and I had uh, a couple friends who started a band. And it was a Leonard Skinner cover band, if nothing else. And uh, they played guitar, and they had a drummer, and they had a bass player. They didn't have a keyboard player or a piano player. And they said, you should learn to play piano or keyboard, and you could play in the band with us. And I thought, well, I mean, can you play those types of songs on piano? I didn't know. I thought it was just Mary Had Are y'all doing Mary Had a Little Lamb? Is that in the set? And, um, and so my, my mom at the time got me, uh, got me signed up for lessons at the Mountain Arts Center under a guy named Chris Lafferty who became a, a great friend and a teacher. And, um, and so I walked into my first lesson, and he said, what do you want to learn? I said, if I'm honest, like Sweet Home Alabama is really what I want to learn. It's why I'm here. I'm not here for Mary Had a Little Lamb. Um, and he played it. When I said it, he started playing it. I went, wow, that's cool. And, um, and, he, and he began to show me, and I began to just fall in love with music. I would love to say it was some deep spiritual moment that I fell in love with music, but it was not. It was that experience. 
And so he started teaching me Eric Clapton and these songs, but he's also teaching me music theory and classical music and jazz. He was going to school at Moore at the time. So I just fell in love with music, poured my life into it for years, thought so much that I'm going to do music for a living. You see me not doing that, okay? But at one time I thought, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in a band and I'm going to go and we're just, I'm going to play music. And, um, but there became a time over my spiritual journey, because I grew up in church and I would play in church, and, but I remember the times that I would just play Amazing Grace because my dad wanted me to. And as I grew spiritually uh, in my relationship with Jesus, I began to realize a few things. One, that, that music in general is a good gift. Man, good music can bring healing to the soul. It can change your entire attitude. It can change your mindset. You can be in one place and turn a song on, and you're in a totally... I mean, Saul got this. He invited David when he was in his depths of despair and depression. David came and just played the harp for him. He was a harpist. He played music, and it soothed, soothed the soul. That music in and of itself is a good gift. And then the, the, the more I came along my journey, I realized, man, God created music. And man, he, isn't he an incredible creator? You think about all the styles of music and the ways you can do it and the instruments and what you can do. Like, it just, it, it amazes me. I studied it for college in a little while even. It's like you get all into this, these scales and, uh, you know, Dorian and Mixolydian scale. Like, I could bore you real quick with music. And that's all in God's head. He's the creator of all of that. And so I realized over time that this is a thing that we use collectively to worship him. Music is best suited and was created to be performed, the gifts that were given to worship the one who made us, to glorify him. That's literally what it was created for. As I thought about this, uh, I, I thought about... What I just said, there was times I just played Amazing Grace. I played in church a lot when I was growing up and, and also played at family reunions and did all, like I was just playing where I could and, and how I could. And there's times I did it because it was a requirement and there's, I felt obligated and somebody wanted me to. Okay? And some of you might be here at church today because somebody wanted you to or out of obligation. But I want you to understand that worshiping together is not a requirement. You can't think of it like that. You can't think of it as just an obligation. All right, because that, be that begins to feel really uh, religious and like a ritual and like you can, you can make God, if I just go through this motion, then it's going to satisfy God. And that's the last thing that he wants, honestly. He wants my heart and he wants your heart. And you see, this, uh, this act of worship, of singing out to him, is actually an opportunity. It is an essential part of our spiritual health, of how close you are to God. If you want to be closer to God, part of growing closer to God is getting together with other believers and singing. It is an opportunity and it's an essential part uh, of, our, of our spiritual health. We're going to answer some questions this morning. Why do we sing in church? Did the early church sing? What did they sing? How did they sing? Should we, uh, are old hymns better than new ones? Want to split the church? <laughs> Take a survey? 
Can you even have a new hymn? Are hymns just old songs? What is a, what is a hymn? Um, we're going to answer some of those questions. But really, we're going to get to this heart, the heart of this, that, that, that worship is a thing that comes about out of a deep longing inside me. See, when God gets a hold of your heart and you understand who he is and what he's done for you, you've been saved, it is such a joy to get together on a Sunday morning. It is something you cannot wait to do. It is something that when you are down, it brings you up. That when you feel alone, you leave connected. That when you come discouraged, you leave encouraged. Like it is a place you cannot wait to get to and participate. <laughs> not to watch. Not to see if I get anything out of what he says today. Not to be entertained. You know, we try really hard. I know we're up on a stage. I wish we were in a pit, honestly. We try really hard to encourage and empower you all to worship together, to sing words out loud together. We're going to talk about it. It's kind of like an exercise or diet. Like, it's essential to life. Like, you get, it's going to impact your spiritual relationship, like exercise and diet, uh, it, uh, it impacts your physical health. I'm not going to go much further than that because I'll be preaching to myself. So I just want you to see that analogy. Participating in worship together improves your spiritual health. So if you're struggling spiritually, get together with some people and worship. Let's see. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. Uh, here Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's going to talk to them about and listen, I had so many verses about, if, if some of you are just so excited about this afterwards, you say, would you give me all your references and, and everything you found in your research about songs and worship in the early church? I have all that. I'm going to do you a favor and not fire hose you with it today. Um, but I'm telling you, the New Testament, the Old Testament is full of music and you being used to worship. God. Here's one passage we're really going to focus on this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is a, I know it goes to the, another verse, but there's a comma there. It's part of a sentence. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I want us to be, I want us to settle here just for a minute and see that before we jump in to say, well, why do we sing? How do we sing? What are we going to sing? I want you to see the foundation, the founding element of our worship together is right here. It says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about influence in your life. He says, don't let alcohol or some other, you know, intoxicating beverage or drug uh, fill your life because that becomes your influence. That's the sin of, of, of drug use or alcoholism is that all of a sudden you've surrendered your life and allowed something else to control you. He says, I don't want the Holy Spirit to control you. And when the Holy Spirit controls you, out of that comes praises and hymns and songs. All right? And so I want you, I want, I want to give you uh, a, a quick uh, English lesson on some Greek language. Are you ready for that? I'd say that's too early for that. 
It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is in the present tense, if you go back to the original Greek. That means in this moment, at this time, be filled. It doesn't mean go get filled up and you're done. Okay? It, it doesn't mean there's some magic. Like when we get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells us and he never leaves. But the level of influence he has in your life does go up and down. What you allow him to drive and control and how much power you give him. And so we're going to talk about that just for a second. Because when he's saying be filled, it's like it's fall right now. It's like if it, when my dad said go rake the leaves, I thought that meant I rake the leaves and then I'm done. What he really meant is go be raking the leaves all fall. <laughs> Are you with me? Is that we don't go get filled with the Spirit and then we're done. It's a constant. It's, it's in the present tense of be filled with the Spirit daily. Set your mind on this idea that you want to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, open your mind to it. Surrender to it. Invite it. Give Him control every single day. See, we're really easy like on Sunday. God, you've got it all. Monday, here's my agenda. Here's my plan. I'm in control. And we fill ourselves up with our own control and our own anxiety and our own worry. And all of a sudden we're filled with all that stuff. But yesterday it felt so good. I'd surrendered and, and I'd, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But today I got the Holy Spirit, but I'm just really got to go to work and I got to get the kids to this and I got to do that. And, you know, and my family, parent is sick and whatever is going on in our life. And we, we become uh, 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 surrounded by all that. So what he's really saying is be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's also, it's present tense, but it's also passive voice. He does not say, go fill yourself with the Spirit. This is not man doing it. This is God doing the feeling. What he's saying is, I want you to empty yourself. I want you to empty yourself of all the fear, the anxiety, the control, the religion, the, the rituals, the, the commitment, the, all the things that stress you out and all the things that distract you from a real relationship with Jesus. I want you to empty all that out and allow God to fill you with the Spirit. So I want you to empty. There's two implications there. The Holy Spirit is always ready and willing to fill us at any moment. He is waiting and willing and ready. As soon as you empty yourself out and you say, all right, come back. I want you to control my life. I tried to do it. Please come back. You all do that once and it's done? No. You have to do it. I have to do it every single day. Sometimes I forget and I go three days. And I was like, God, I've tried to do this whole week myself. And it's a mess. No, I'm coming back. I'm emptying myself. And God, you fill me, you guide me, you direct me. So one, he's always willing and ready, but we must make ourselves available to him. It's about emptiness and openness. Emptiness and openness. Filling of the Spirit as simple as that. In John 4, 24, uh, let me get to this verse. I got a special treat for you here in a second. But in John 4, 24, Jesus talking to the, the Samaritan at the well. 
tells her, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And I want us to, I know we're spending a lot of time on the foundation here, uh, but it's really important for us to understand why we're singing. Here's the, here's the idea. That we have to worship in spirit and truth. This means that true, genuine worship can only come from the heart of a believer. An unbeliever has never surrendered their life to Christ. To them, amazing grace is just a melody and a set of words. Because if they were a true believer, they would understand the weight of what they're singing and what they're saying. And so if you think of the opposite of spirit and truth, I, I think of it like this. It would be worshiping in, in, in flesh and maybe pretense, which is you are acting like something inside, but it's really not. Or it's in flesh and a lie. Or it's the practice of me playing amazing grace because my dad told me to. He said, I'll let you go play with them boys as long as you put Amazing Grace in the set. <laughs> so we played Green River from Creedence Clearwater Revival, and we played Leonard Skinner, and we'd throw Amazing Grace in there. <laughs> Full of worship. <laughs> Heart was all in it. <laughs> That's a mockery, honestly. To sing truths like that, out of just obligation. To think that we can show up at a place, at a building, at a certain time and sing a certain song because we're supposed to. And think that makes God happy or it makes somebody else happy. Listen, it is not about the act. God doesn't want you to fake it. That does not impress God. You are not drawn any closer to him. Because he wants to get a hold of your heart in such a way that there's nobody that could keep you from the doors. That if they said, you walk up to this door, you're going to get shot. It's happening. When God gets a hold of your heart, you say, I'm going to get there and I'm going to sing and I'm going to worship him because he is who he is. And out of that flows psalms and hymns and songs of worship. When we come together and sing in the morning, on Sunday mornings, it is, should be out of an overflow of our hearts and gratitude and built on the truth. What's the truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. Everything we sing, if, we doesn't, if it doesn't point back to Jesus, then we've got off track. It should be built, it should be worshipped, it should be done in spirit. And in truth, our heart, our attitude, our motivation must be anchored on the doctrine of Christ himself. Uh, just because you sing doesn't mean you can worship. All right, you may be a great singer. But if you don't understand the meanings and the doctrines of grace, and you've been saved in the importance of Jesus... You can't worship from a heart, a place where those who really get it can. Matthew 15, 8, Jesus said it like this, These people honor me with their lips, lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
they worship me in vain. We don't sing because we're good. We sing because he is good. We don't sing because I got a great voice. We sing because he is good. I mean, we get to participate, and we find it here in verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. We, uh, we, we find here very clearly um, that music is a form of worship, that singing is a form of worship. Uh, one author said it like this. One clear indication that a person is filled with the Holy Spirit is a natural desire to sing and praise God. Musical ability has little to do with it. God created us to find great spiritual expression through music. Scripture is filled with music, and God delights when we use what He created to worship Him. Worship is really about glorifying God, but we also find here that it's really for each other. So, that means even if you think you can't sing, you need to. All right? And you might not should have a microphone up front to do us all a little... You know, let's not do that. Let's not go that far. But every time that you are sitting in the back, this is this verse. This is this verse. This is that, that, that as a believer, that when we hear other believers singing, and we are singing in unison, as close as we can harmonically, but at least doctrinally and spiritually, we're singing in unison, that we find spiritual growth and encouragement from that. That you cannot grow without participating. That, so I'm inviting you, whether you're a great singer, a bad singer, a terrible singer, I try up here. Man, I want to sing the whole time. I just feel it inside of me. I wish I was a great singer. If I was, you, I'd probably never get a mic out of my hand. So it's probably God knew. But, and then sometimes I'll have this on, which I used to preach with, and I forget to turn it off at the invitation or something. And I'll just be singing, and I'll realize, oh, my Lord, no wonder everybody's leaving. Uh, but I, I'm inviting you. I'm, I, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. If, something, if, it, if it is fear or you're afraid or you, just, you don't know, I want you to, to be invited to participate in what is known as corporate worship, congregational singing. Like it's an important part of the health of a church, and the life of a church, and your spiritual health. I found this awesome recording. Uh, in the 1900s, they discovered um, this historical artifact that's the oldest known written lyrics of a hymn that also had the musical notation with it. It was written in a different language, obviously. Um, and so I've got a recording of it here. It's about a mi minute long. This is thought to be from like 250 A.D. from the church then. This is maybe what it might have sounded like had you walked in to the new beginnings of that time or whatever church, the believers in a house or wherever they might have been. This is uh, an idea of what it might have sounded like. I don't know. It was a blessing to me just to realize that God is so much bigger than, than me or what we're doing here or like he's been drawing people to him for so long. They've been worshiping him. Um, and so I hope it's a, a blessing to you. You won't be able to understand it, but this is their best effort at translating it uh, with some English subtitles on the screen. <laughs> Sing 
Napoli, Bondon, Ripai, Noyon, Begai, Podamondo, people from different culture, different language, different era, different century, different millennia felt in their spirit what it meant to, to sing hymns of praise to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That all the powers that strength, praise, and glory forever to God, the sole giver of all good things. Amen and amen. That's powerful for me. Other thing that's powerful is it sounded a lot like some old regular lining in there. Did y'all hear that? I thought that sounds familiar uh, a little bit right there. Singing one another with psalms. These were literally the old psalms of, of the Old Testament, a majority of which David wrote. Hymns were songs, and, and a hymn can be new, it can be old. It, it, the definition there is literally a song that gives honor, praise, or thanksgiving. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that in eight years, no one has ever come up to us and said, I wish you did more of this. I wish you'd sing that type of song or this type of song. or You know, we don't like this or I don't like that. I mean, you all have really got uh, the heart right, and I think that's why God is blessed so many of the ministries and things that we're doing, because you don't show up to receive, you show up to give. You show up to participate. You trust us who are praying and picking songs and doing the best we can to find doctrinal, true, uh, point people toward Jesus songs as best we can. Now, we do a mix of old and new. We do a little bit of everything. Um, but, but a hymn can absolutely be a new song. I think all through the, uh, the Old Testament, Psalm 43 says, He's given me a new song to sing. While I love the old songs, I also believe that God works through His church and people to write songs applicable in, in the melody and, and chorus and, and harmony and musical style that, that, that suits a time and a place in the world that which it comes. I don't think He gives all these gifted Christians the ability to write songs and thinks, No, you shouldn't write that. We got a red book. Right? I mean, I, for this song that we wrote as a group up here, I pray we do a lot more of that as we're preaching uh, through books of the Bible. And we just take spiritual truths and we do our best to put it into a melody and a song that applies to the context and the place. And God uses us for that. I think God is working on us and is asking us to do that. He didn't give us the gift to let it set idle. He gave us the gift to use it to worship Him. And then it says, songs from the Spirit. These are new songs. That is literally saying a spontaneous, a new song based on spiritual direction and guidance and applying Scripture 
reverencing God. Spirit-inspired songs minister to God and exhort or encourage others. They give testimony about the living God to other worshipers. Um, they sang to one another. That means they sang together. I've said that a lot. Uh, Brother Randy came to me this morning. He was like, I love it when we sing together. That was the, his heart in that moment. I was like, me too. Me too. I love it when the congregation is singing and uh, we're going to try to do more of that and encourage more of it. Last thing I'll say is when we worship in spirit and truth as a healthy community of believers, it points people to Jesus. It's the ultimate end. Not pointing people to me, not pointing people to a preacher or a singer or a church or a denomination or any of these things. If we don't point people to Jesus, we've missed the whole point. So this morning I invite you as the worship team comes back up. I want you to reflect just on your own, your commitment, your excitement, your approach, your thought of how you see worship when we come together as a church. It's really easy, even as a group that I'm often up here leading, it's really easy to get into the mindset of just saying, what songs are we going to sing this Sunday? Here's the set list, let's learn them, there's the chords. I can imagine as an attendee, it's really easy to say, I wonder what songs they're going to sing. I didn't sing my favorite this Sunday. I wish they'd sing this. Or really easy to be like, it takes forever. Y'all sing three or four songs. We have to stand there. Oh, my God. Are we ever going to get done? Are you just preach and get it over with? <laughs> All these things are reflective of a moment in our life where our heart is not filled with the Spirit. And it takes all of us encouraging one another and guiding and directing and, and saying, oh, I can feel it for a minute. You're going with the flesh. That I forgot about the truth of the cross and what Jesus did on it. I forgot about the power of the empty tomb. I'm here complaining because they sang this song or that song, and I'm discouraged, and I can't even sing because I'm thinking about tomorrow. And so right now, in this moment, we're going to bow our heads, and we're going to play just for a minute, and I want you to, to just hear the music. And I want you to empty yourself. I want you to empty yourself of the fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being good enough. Fear of stepping out and stumbling. Fear of maybe just being heard by singing and you don't want people to hear you singing. Can I tell you whether you sing well or not, your neighbor needs to hear you worship, needs to hear you sing. I want you to empty yourself of bitterness I want you to empty yourself of bitterness toward a person or people or somebody who's done something to you that, that just won't go away or, or maybe bitterness toward a church or a group of people that's hindering the spirit from filling you and being your total, you're being influenced by these other thoughts and other things and what other people have said and God's like I want to fill you be influenced by me you are fearfully and wonderfully made.
I want you to empty yourself of all you think of what church is and what I should do and why I should be here. And I want you to reflect as, do I understand what God has done for me on the cross and in the tomb? I want to be filled with the truth of that in my mind right now. God, search our hearts as we pray for anything that offends you. God, move it, bring it to our attention, let us take it and be intentional about removing it from our life and emptying it out. God, we open up our hearts to your eternal spigot, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with it today and every day. God, in that, we're going to sing about the freedom that we found, that you set us free. We're going to sing this song that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. We're going to sing it while we sing it. We're going to come from a place in our heart that's just thinking about that truth. That it doesn't matter who's around us, just between God, you and me. I praise you. I worship you. I'm going to use the song you gave us to do it. We're going to do it together. And the world's going to say, that's crazy. Why are they there on Sunday? Don't they know football's getting ready to come on? But we're going to worship the God who made us. Because we love you and we trust you in Jesus' name.